Hi, everyone. We are back for another episode of the Houndstein Center's podcast series, Off the Stage. My name is Maddie Miller, and I am the media specialist for the Houndstein Center. Today is the day after President's Day, and the Houndstein Center has a President's Day celebration event tonight, which is especially special for us because of our namesake, the Houndstein Center for Presidential Studies. But on the podcast today, I am joined by our event speaker, journalist Kate Anderson Brower. Kate, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Maddie. Good. Okay, well, we are going to um, start off with some questions that I came up with to ask you. So starting kind of at the beginning, I would love to just hear about um, where you grew up and what you like to do for fun growing up. Um, well, I, I grew up in um, Connecticut in a small town in northwestern Connecticut, and um, I had, uh, it was pretty, like, you know, pretty rural. I still can't say rural, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I loved, it's funny, I loved playing with Barbies, and mm-hmm. I did that until I was literally 12 or 13, and yeah. I think that was kind of like um, on me the... Me too, actually. Okay. <laughs> I had a younger sister, so, like, I kind of, like... <sighs> played Barbies until she was over it, which meant that I was definitely over it, you know? <laughs> You're like a freshman in high school. It's yeah. like hiding the Barbies. Yes. Um, it's funny because it's not that big anymore because I yeah. have a – our daughter's nine and she just has never gotten into it. But mm-hmm. I love – like we – I had a best friend that lived next door and we would sit and have like Barbie marathons and we would sit mm-hmm. in the front lawn um, in the summer and play for hours. But I actually think it's really – good for storytelling yeah because you would develop like a whole scenario there were characters Mm -hmm. it was I always had like a soap opera going on where people were cheating and it was just yes (laughs) my parents would be horrified um and then I like to do that and then I I like to read and Mm -hmm. I wasn't really into sports so much I played tennis a little bit but I wasn't that good at it but that's you know oh that's so fun so what kind of things were you involved in in high school then I, um, in high school, I played tennis, and I also was a reporter for our local newspaper because oh, we were in, like, fun. a tiny town. Yeah. And um, I just wrote a few stories for them. But it's a cool – it's an interesting area in Connecticut where you have a lot of people from New York that go there and retire. Okay. So we had um, – Somebody who had been at the UN, and there was a town hall that they did um, in our our church, our local church, and it was really interesting. It was about like peace in the Middle East, and mm-hmm. it was um, Arthur Vanden Heuvel, who was like a huge diplomat and and other famous journalists, and they were. It, it was incredible, actually, yeah. and I remember going and writing a story about that, f- yeah. and they ran it in our local paper, which was really exciting. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that, um, especially knowing that you're a journalist now, yeah. so that's kind of yeah. a fun beginning. Um, so I see that you are a graduate of Barnard College mm-hmm. and hold a master's from Oxford. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what did you major in, and how did you decide to major in that? And then also, same for your master's. Um, I uh, majored in political science, okay. and I've just always been really interested in politics. And then my master's was, strangely enough, in American history. And every time I would go through customs in London, they'd be like, you're American, and you're here in England studying American history. What's yeah. going on? But it was kind of like... That I interesting. I wrote my thesis on um, the relationship between Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. And so there was definitely, you know, overlap. It was talking about almost how... The U, you know, people in Britain, in Great Britain, see the U.S., you know, mm-hmm. and that historic relationship. So yeah. um, on paper, it doesn't make much sense, but in reality, it kind yeah. of did. 
That's cool. So I guess I'm just curious about this. Like you're a journalist, mm-hmm. but you technically don't have like any degrees in journalism. So how did that kind of come about? I just was really always interested in journalism. My dad is, he worked at People Magazine back in the 70s. Oh, wow. Um, he helped, was one of the like original reporters at People Magazine, and mm-hmm. he writes biographies about, oh my God, he wrote a biography of Madonna, wow. uh, biographies about the Kennedys and Princess mm-hmm. Di, and so it, I looked at him as a role model, and um, so I thought if he could do it, then maybe I can do it, and it was just mm-hmm. such a great thing to and he's been very encouraging, and it's a great thing to see like mm-hmm. the work-life balance that you can have yeah. if you... If you can be your own boss. I mean, even though everyone has someone to answer to, right? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. So like I mentioned in the beginning, you are here for a President's Day event. So I must ask, what is a fact or short story about a president that either fascinated you when you first learned of it or just something you don't think a lot of people know about a former president or our current president? This one. I mean, there's so many. Um... You know, one thing I think that's one of my favorite stories is about, um, well, first of all, a more current story is Donald Trump. I I talked to several resident staffers, so I wrote a book called The Residents about the housekeepers, like the hundred people who run the White House. And I asked some of them what it was like to work there when Trump was in office, and they said that... Uh, two of them told me, so this isn't by any means a huge study, but yeah. like the two people told me that they, because they're very secretive, mm-hmm. that um, Trump would go around and hand people $50 bills as thank yous. And so they all really mm-hmm. liked him and they he would like tip them in cash yeah. on the side, which I thought was really interesting, which I don't think you're technically supposed to do. Yeah, but I they, was going to say, I wonder if um, that breaks any rules or anything. It probably I don't know. does. Yeah, probably. Um, but, and so I think he... I mean, he's used to being, it was interesting. I think the presidents who are used to being like waited on and having servant staff, service staff around Mm -hmm. them, like the Bushes and the Trumps, like Mm -hmm. they get used to it more quickly and they have an easier time. I think the Obamas and the Clintons weren't used to it and it's harder to get used to someone being there all the time. I haven't even ever thought about that. Like you just going from like living your normal life to all of a sudden being waited on and people yeah. around you all the time. So. I can't imagine. And then also mm-hmm. like for them, they're probably concerned about who's hearing conversations yeah. and who's, um, I would say another really cool story is mm-hmm. this has to do with Jimmy Carter, who is, you know, we're all thinking of now, but, yeah. um, when he was in the white house so, oh, actually, it started when he was governor of Georgia, and they had, like, a work release situation with a local prison where female inmates could come and work on the grounds of the governor's mansion, sort of to, like, you know, garden and do things like that. Okay. And the Carters um, noticed that their daughter, Amy, who was, like, nine at the time, I think about nine, was developing a friendship and would be out playing with a woman named Mary Prince, who was Mm -hmm. one of the inmates. And she was in prison for murder. And the Carters looked into it and decided that Mary was unfairly convicted. And she was Mm African-American. We're talking about the early 70s. There was a lot of racism and um, still is, but especially there at the Mm -hmm. time. And they hired her to come work and be Amy's nanny. And they brought her to the White House where she was took care of Amy and 
Carter was her parole officer in the White House. Wow. And she still works for the family. I went down to Georgia and met her, Mm. and she now watches Amy's grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. That is incredible. So it's like a full circle, amazing story of um, just nothing that you think about. Mm -hmm. But, like, they believed that it was unjust and that she – it was really in Mm self-defense. She was defending – I I think it was her cousin, some relative against a man, and she ended up shooting him. And he died, but it was outside of a bar. And anyway Mm – she said she didn't have good legal representation, and she barely yeah. even met her lawyer. And you know, it's kind of amazing that they yeah. then stood up for her. So that's probably one that of that's one so of my cool. favorites. Does she have like a book or anything? I'm like, I feel like she should like write she a book. She should or definitely yeah. have no, not that I know of, because oh it's gosh. such an amazing story. Yeah, I was gonna say I would love to read more about that. Just even about like the dynamics of that relationship forming. I'm yes, sure are fascinating. Well, cool. That's such a cool story. Um, so I was telling you this earlier, but the running joke in our, in our office is that we invited you to our President's Day event, but instead we want to hear you talk about Elizabeth Taylor, <laughs> which is your most recent book. So for those listening, Kate just published a new book, the first ever authorized bi- biography of the most famous movie star of the 20, 20th century, Elizabeth Taylor herself. So I can't, um, I decided that if we can't hear it at our event tonight, I have to at least ask you on the podcast. So I'm actually um, about halfway through the book itself, and it is so fascinating, just the things that she um, went through. So I have a couple questions. So the first is I just want to simply ask um, how and why you were were asked to write this biography or um, why you decided to, because I, I learned like you got access to like unpublished letters, diary entries, off-the-record interview transcripts, and all of that. So I just wanted to know, like, how did this all come about, really? It was a really unusual thing. Like, I was um, thinking about another book to write after Team of Five, and I was really kind of depressed about everything going on in Washington, where I live. And I was just thinking and brainstorming. And um, it was my husband actually said something like, you know, John Warner like lives really close to us. Why don't you try to talk to him and maybe it could be a magazine story. And John Warner was a Senate Republican senator from Virginia Mm -hmm. in the 70s. Well, he served for a very long time, but he was married to Elizabeth in the 70s, her sixth Mm -hmm. husband. Yeah. And um, he was really open to talking about her. Mm -hmm. He was, you know getting older he's since passed away and he used to call me and say you got to get this book out I don't have much more time and I kind of I felt bad because it came out just you know it was several months after he died but Mm -hmm. um and he put me in touch with Elizabeth's family what I most wanted to write about was her AIDS activism but they Mm -hmm. wanted a book about her entire life and so I thought I can turn down that opportunity and I went out to LA and met with them and they have like a a whole office in Beverly Hills for their company is basically the House of Taylor. And so they are in charge of, and it's amazing, like a lot of celebrities like Elvis and Marilyn Monroe, they have these estates that kind of control their legacies. Okay. So interesting. I mean, you could probably do a book about that or a novel because it's fascinating to me. And um, there are three trustees of her estate, and one of them's her grandson, another is a lawyer, and the other one is one of her longtime assistants. And then there's a manager of those trustees. And then there is an archivist whose sole job is to keep track of all of her stuff. Whoa. So it's really amazing because they have this office Mm -hmm. where they have all of her costumes. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I think I went into it and I didn't even think about White Diamonds and like the commercial I grew up watching in black and white. You're probably too young for that. But like, I totally remember it. Uh And um, I I thought of her as just like a famous, beautiful actress. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get to know who she really was and what made her tick. And I think what she did for AIDS was just incredible. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to honor that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious how long you spent studying her life and like writing this book. Like there was so much to be compiled, like even just as I'm reading the book, like I know that you reference like this person said this about this and then this. So I know that that took a lot of like compiling and whatnot. Um, I'm curious how long you spent on that project. Oh gosh, three years. Okay. And I, and every day I really treat writing as my, it's my full-time job, you know? Yeah. So I go up to my office after we get the kids to school and I'm there from, you know, nine, I want to say until three-ish mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously with breaks and then I'll like yeah. be working again from four until six-ish. But like, it's basically, you know, it's, it's my full-time job and yeah. it was... It was a lot of just sorting through material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of that, that. makes sense. Um, so I don't want to ask too many nitty gritty questions because I am reading the book and I don't want to like spoil <laughs> anything for myself. But just generally speaking, what was um, the most surprising thing about diving into Elizabeth Taylor's life? I think I, I was surprised that she was had been abused by her dad. I didn't know that. I was surprised that she had to fight so much in her life to get the roles that she wanted yeah. um, and to get out of under the thumb of MGM and, like, the control. Yeah. And, you know, Judy Garland was drugged famously and Elizabeth was too and I didn't realize that because I never had given it much thought the connection between being a child star and then having an addiction in life you know she never really recovered from that but um she used her celebrity to to do so much good in the world and I also didn't realize how um I I guess I never I didn't really think about how the studio manipulated the actors so much like determining who you could marry if you were gay they were going to expose it you know mm-hmm. if you were a woman they actually had people who would come on the set and like measure her cleavage yes. in films like I had never heard of the bust inspector you know yeah and I think in like today's it's just shocking to hear that some and then the sexism that she endured you yeah. know just for who she was having a relationship with. She was mm-hmm. constantly being judged and um, and then judged for her weight and all of that. And yeah. just the fact that she was like, I think it did hurt her a lot, mm-hmm. but she was never, she never apologized for who she was. And I think that's pretty bold and amazing. Yeah, that is cool. That's something I'm like continually like learning about her as I read the book is she never yeah. apologized for like, I, I'm actually just getting to the part about um, her first interactions with her fa- most famous maybe husband, Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. And so just like how she never apologized for things that she was doing or whatever. Yeah. Because that was just like kind of her personality, I guess. <laughs> yeah. She, she was like, I'm accountable for myself and to my family and that's it. I don't have to apologize for anything. Yeah. And she's the first actor, male or female, to get a million dollars for a film, which yes. is pretty amazing. Yeah. So I actually, yeah, just read about that part too, which is um, cool. I actually like looked up up, like the trailer for I've never seen that movie before but, oh um, for Cleopatra Cleopatra yeah, yeah I like looked it up because I was like I just have to 
I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. If you want to see one really great Elizabeth Taylor movie, I would recommend Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Okay. It's like her be- I I think, and it's yeah. the movie she's most proud of, too. Okay, cool. I'll definitely check that out. Um, so my last question about Elizabeth Taylor um, <laughs> is... Have you? I know you mentioned um, being like in contact with her family mm-hmm. earlier. Um, since the book release, have you been um, heard any comments from the book from Liz's family, like just surrounding the biography and whatnot? Yeah, I actually did access Hollywood with her grandson, okay. <laughs> which was really fun, and yeah. he was incredible. He's a really good guy, and we did a CBS CBS Morning Show together. Okay. Um, and her son called me. It was very. This is a very uh, telling story about just how nice they are. Her son, because her kids didn't get into Hollywood really. They yeah. kind of, which I think mm-hmm. is probably smart. And um, her son. Uh, called me he texted me and he said hey do you have a minute to talk and you know anybody sees that and they're like oh my god about what (laughs) and he said once I got on the phone with him he said I was gonna text you that last night but I didn't want you to have like trouble sleeping so I I said it this morning because I I actually really love the book and Mm -hmm. I learned new things about her and so that was really great to hear and he was a huge um, Chris Wilding it's her one of her sons he's Mm -hmm. he's just an amazing person and such a good writer himself Okay. Because a lot of times I would talk to him on the phone and ask him a question, and he would say, I want to give that some thought, so let me write it down and then email you. Okay. So his um, responses were always just like, Beautiful. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to read the rest of the book because it is really fascinating. Thank you. Um, so I have two more questions for you overall. Um, so first, you've done um, many different things in your career so far. Written books, traveled with presidents, covered presidential administrations for the news, and appeared on many you know news stations and whatnot. So this is a big question, but what has been one of your biggest challenges you've faced in your career, and what did you learn from it? Well, this is an easy one to answer because I think uh, it's something that I still am struggling with today is that when you're a woman, Mm -hmm. you kind of get pigeonholed a little bit. And so I wrote a book about first ladies, and sometimes people think that's the only thing I can talk about. And there are presidential historians, most of them are older white men, who have sort of this, uh, you know, um, I don't know, monopoly on the the subject matter. Mm -hmm. And so that is a bit frustrating because I think there are a lot of great women reporters and historians that, you know, you kind of feel like you're Mm -hmm. uh, just too often. I I do love talking about first ladies, Mm -hmm. but I can also talk about, (laughs) you know, presidential history as well. So I think that would be the biggest thing that I'm still kind of um, working through. Yeah, and what do you do like actively to fight that? Like, are there any things that you like really try purposely to like kind of end that stigma? I guess. I guess it didn't help that I wrote a book about Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor. I mean, it's. I, I guess if I wanted to write like a book about you know James Madison or something mm-hmm. like that, might if if I took a subject matter that was belonged to the older stodgier. Mm-hmm white historians yeah. that might be better I but I also have to like balance that with what I'm interested in I was in. just gonna say like I don't want you to feel like you have to uh, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that yeah. yeah like I liked writing I I like writing about women because I just think the stories mm-hmm. are richer and there's more I can relate to it more yeah. and so you have to do with 
do what you're what you're most interested in, especially if it's a book because it's going to take years and years. Yeah. That's so okay. yeah, I don't know. I just have to keep plugging along. I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so this is a question. I this is our last question, and this is actually a question I ask to all of our podcast guests. This is always the last question. Is just for. Um, and you've actually already kind of shared some, but what is your advice for someone wanting to go down a journalistic, poli-sci, American history career path such as your own? What advice would you give? Um, I think it's really good to just say, especially when you don't have kids or any kind of, assuming you're you're young and childless, just mm-hmm. make that assumption because that changes a lot. Um, just dive into like if you get an if you can get an internship anywhere that is a, you know or work any at a newspaper or a local TV station mm-hmm. or a big TV station wherever. Just make sure that your boss knows that you're available and ready to do anything because I think there were a lot of times I. I benefited from working with older people that had kids and couldn't understandably now I know it better than anything like they there'd be like oh we need somebody to go to Andrews Air Force Base at 7 a.m. on Saturday and I would say oh I'll do it because they had kids they had other commitments and so if you are at a stage in your life where you have that freedom Mm -hmm. you should really take it and just like dive head first into whatever you're interested in. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for um, being on the podcast, coming to Michigan. And we're excited for our event tonight. I'm excited too. Thank you, Maddie. Good. Thank you for listening to Off the Stage Podcast, a series produced by the Houndstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley State University. The Houndstein Center, inspired by Ralph Houndstein's life of leadership and service, is dedicated to raising a community of ethical, effective leaders for the 21st century. For more information on our center, our Cook Leadership Academy, or our Common Ground Initiative, visit our website at www.gvsu.edu. To keep up with our current events and reoccurring initiatives, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, all of which can be found linked below. If you liked this episode, consider giving us a review or rating so we can be found by other podcast listeners. Again, thanks for listening to Off the Stage Podcast.